Hello and welcome to the live streamer backstage podcast. I'm Alec Johnson and this is a weekly show where I interview fellow live streamers to understand how they're using live streaming as a tool in their business and to discover the tech gear and the software that they use to produce great live shows. My guest today is Luis Vega, aka Mr. Camera Junkie. And as the name may suggest, Luis is a photographer and videographer and also a live streamer, podcast producer, editor and digital media creator. Now, if you spend any time on content creator live streams or in the creator communities, then I'm pretty sure you'll know the Mr. Camera Junkie name because Luis is such an active member in so many of these connected communities and a regular in the chat of so many live streams. He also, of course, streams weekly on his own Mr. Camera Junkie channel about all things cameras, tech and content creation. Now, in his YouTube bio, Luis says that he started his channel to document his crazy ideas and journey through photography, videography and YouTube itself. And it's clearly a subject that he's passionate about. What has been really great to see over the past couple of years that I've been in these communities is how this passion coupled with his extensive knowledge around cameras and videography has grown into a full-time business. Luis is now producing multiple events, podcasts and live streams for the likes of Ecamm Network, no less, among others, uh, as well as providing consultation and editing services for other names in the content creation space. I think that many content creators out there dream of one day going full time with their content creation surpassing and then becoming their primary source of income. I mean, who doesn't want to get paid for what they love doing? So I'm really looking forward to Luis sharing his journey with us. And I'm sure we can all learn a lot from some of the steps he has taken along the way through that transition. So without further ado, let's welcome Luis Vega. Hey, Luis. Great to have you here. Wow, what an introduction. Um excited to be here um but just taken away thank you and uh yeah i'm super excited to share anything and everything as far as uh my journey and to what has gotten me to where i'm at today cool well it's, it's been really uh, really great to see from from my side and certainly you know when i started doing this uh not quite two years ago but um yeah you were always someone who you know was there in Almost every stream I seem to fall into, <laughs> you were there somewhere in the chats, and uh, yeah, it's uh, great to uh, great to have you on here to to chat with us today. So perhaps you can oh. start by giving us a bit about your sort of background and how you uh, you know how you got into this, and obviously you know your your passion for photography. But how how did this all come about for you, and how did you get into live streaming? Well, how I got into live streaming was after I realized the potential in the platform that we call YouTube, right? That the ability to be able to have um, whatever you want to create and have a platform at your disposal. Mm -hmm. So there was already a couple of things that I had done prior that had given me a, a really good understanding of the way things worked, which is why YouTube was so like attracting to me. So, for example, one thing that I've done in my past is that I did stand-up comedy at an open mic night. It was kind oh, really? of one oh, of those. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of one of those bucket list items. But mm -hmm. for me to get just five minutes on stage to do something that I was that I wanted to do, I had to ask 10 of my friends to sign up for me so that they can show up. And there was cost involved with them getting themselves ready, whether it be babysitters and mm. a, a gigantic production to get 10 of your friends to show up. And that was just so that I can get five minutes on stage whenever they decided. 
right? But then you have a platform like YouTube that gives you the same ability to create your own stage and put up the content at your heart's desire. So if you want to be a primetime show that stars every Saturday night, then guess what? You have the ability to just show up on the platform and do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a, it is a, it is a, a, a cool place that you can, uh, you can find your audience <laughs> or rather your audience will, uh, will, will find you when you start doing these things. I remember my first, first live stream was to zero and then slowly over the months, uh, you know, a few people have started watching <laughs> for, for in my case. Um, and h- how have you found that then? How have you found the, uh, the process of actually, you, you know, finding your audience or your audience finding you? How has well, that been that- as an experience for you? Oh, that's just been an awesome experience. That's actually what took it kind of over the top with YouTube for me. So mm-hmm. as I had already been making pre-recorded content and putting it up on the platform, but it was actually a friend of mine, Tom Buck, that actually pointed me out on his 40th subs- 40th 40,000 subscriber live stream. So let me get that right. out correctly. Uh He was celebrating his 40,000 subscriber milestone. And I was, as you mentioned before, just hanging out in chat. And he decided to just like point me out and, and recognize me for what I had already been doing on the platform. And that blew me away. It really did take me back and it let me understand that the things that I was trying to achieve on this platform, like I was already on the stage that I was looking to find. I was already there. I might've been, you know, far left, right. Or maybe just part of the background at that moment, but I was already there and having that little bit of recognition just opened my eyes to a couple of things to, to the, you know, to the impact that I had already had on the platform at that moment. And also the love that I had for live streams, because mm-hmm. even though creating pre-recorded content, I wasn't going live myself at that moment, but I was absolutely enthralled with anyone who was live at the moment. So whenever I would see a someone's live notification was up, I was all over it as I normally am and always participating mm-hmm. in the chat. And I don't know if that took me back to my days of, you know, like, AOL and chat rooms, you know, and being, you know, like communicate with people in that manner, but having that live interaction, both with the content creator and the chat is something that I absolutely loved. So it was when that happened, you know, when Tom mentioned it to me that I was basically like the light bulb went on and I was like, I need to be doing this myself. Mm -hmm. And that I started going live which led down the rabbit hole of, you know, meeting Doc Rock and starting when everyone was doing Vlogmas for the first time. Right. I decided to do live streamus, so to speak. Because right, right. what I did, I did 30 days of consecutive live stream. And mm-hmm. when I started that, I just, just last Saturday, completed 104 consecutive weekly live streams to complete two years of live streaming and the ball rolls that's on. cool that's cool i mean we talk about you know 
creating a business out of you know this but it's it's not something that comes by accident you've certainly someone who's put in you know all of the work and that just shows it really you know con- consistent every week not missing one it's uh, it's it's an impressive feat that's something that i'm proud of myself because it's something Quite that rightly. i want control of right mm-hmm. there's a lot of metrics you know that we deal with on youtube that we really don't have control over, but showing up and being present, that was a hundred percent on me. And the fact that I absolutely love it makes it that much easier. Mm -hmm. So like I said, 104 weeks and we're going for 105 next week. And, you know, I don't see a, 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 uh, end in sight. No. Well, con- congratulations on that that achievement. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be <laughs> you'll be up to uh, 156 next this time next year. So <laughs> yeah. And how have you found then that uh, that sort of the the growth of um, w- well, I suppose personal growth as well, but just the growth through the, uh, the you know of the channel through that process. And you know, how do you feel now after having all of those uh, those under your belt, so to speak, uh, compared to you know when you went live for the first time? What's that sort of process been like for you? It's been incredible because the recognition and the things that I've been able to accomplish have exceeded anything that I could have ever imagined. Because when I first started going live, I didn't have a hundred subscribers on my channel. And Mm -hmm. not that I really think that that matters much when it comes to subscriber count, but what it did for me was that I, it completed the one thing that I wanted to get out of YouTube, which was mm-hmm. I wanted to get my own channel URL. And for you to do that, you need a hundred subscribers. Mm-hmm. And that was 75 subscribers with the content that I had created already. And within the first week to say nine days of me going live on that challenge, I was already over a hundred subscribers. I already had my channel URL and I had already completed the, the goal for my channel. So mm-hmm. whether, you know, to better say our goals change once we, you know, uh, achieve the, the goal that we had in place and we kind of like move the goalpost further back so that we continue to grow. Mm-hmm. but like I said, everything that I got past that has been a complete, just, just completely amazement, complete astonishment of the things that I never thought could have happened from being part of international conferences and the leap into a live streaming event that happened last year, you know, in Mm -hmm. 2021, that was something that just, came about all of a sudden and that was something that i had set up to be a personal goal for this year 2022 Mm -hmm. and uh, the ability to be able to like fill in a slot and then be part of it just that same year when i first heard of it was something that i was really taken aback and a Mm -hmm. milestone that i was able to achieve that like i said when I started the whole thing, it wasn't even a milestone that I knew that I could even get to. Right. And now it's something I've already done and continue to do because I was also part of Leap into podcasting this year with Ecamm Network as well. So there's been so many things that I've just been able to accomplish 
and consider a milestone that now I get to say that that's part of my resume. Yeah, sure. The same time is just because I haven't actually put a label or a limit to it. And I'm just able to pick up these skills and these kind of like acknowledgements along the way. Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I mean, it's, you're, you are such a sort of familiar face in the, the communities as well. It's like, that's, that's, it helps when people are, you know, so giving as you are, and they're always, you know, taking part and engaging in the, all of the discussions and communities as well. You do become someone who is a sort of known figure uh, in the uh, in these arenas, um, and so it's only natural that you're a, <laughs> a top of the list for a choice for you know speaking at these kind of things. Yeah, because you know, as I say, because of just your your dedication to it and consistency and and all of those, all of those kind of things. I just want to take a moment to talk about Ecamm Live. This is the live production Mac software that we're using to live stream and record this podcast. In my opinion, it is the best live streaming and recording software on the market today. So what exactly does it do? Well, essentially, it allows you to control the content that you're including in your video, be it a live stream or a recorded video. And you do this by building out different scenes that contain the content that you want to show. This content may be a feed from your camera or indeed multiple cameras, or you may be sharing a screen, which is what I do a lot of in my tutorial style videos that I make for my Take One Tech YouTube channel. You can share the screen from a second computer or maybe even a gaming console if you are a live streaming gamer. And just as we are doing in this podcast, you can also bring in guests using Ecamm Live's built-in interview mode where guests can join from a browser and you can then incorporate their video and audio into your production. Finally, you can add all kinds of additional graphical and animated overlay elements and even movies to really add a level of branded professionalism that would be hard to achieve in any other way. The real magic happens though when you hit that record or go live button because then you are able to seamlessly switch back and forth between all of the scenes that you've created and indeed this is how all of the videos have been created for my Take One Tech YouTube channel and the reason it's called Take One Tech by the way is because all of the videos are made in one take with no edits. I just hit record, make the video and as soon as I hit the end recording button the file is there and ready to be uploaded straight to YouTube. What I love about Ecamm is not just the ease of use that it has when compared to other live streaming software, but also the greater flexibility it gives in terms of layouts and designs that you can create for your shows when compared to some of the hardware streaming solutions. And one thing that makes Ecamm great specifically for podcasts is the fact that it has the ability to record isolated audio tracks. So once we finish recording this podcast, I'll have a separate audio file for me, my guests, and any other audio tracks that have been a part of the recording. That makes the editing and repurposing of the content for the podcast so much more streamlined. It does have another little trick up its sleeve though, and that is its virtual camera feature. This allows you to take the video output from Ecamm live straight into communication apps like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Discord, and so on. This means that rather than just appearing in Zoom meetings with a regular camera feed, you can now show up with all of the amazing production values that Ecamm live gives you and deliver that straight into your Zoom meeting. And trust me, when you rock up to a Zoom meeting with Ecamm, <laughs> the other participants will be truly amazed. So whether for live streaming, recorded video content, or to level up your Zoom game, I highly recommend you give Ecamm Live a go. You can get a free trial by going to takeonetech.io slash Ecamm. That's E-C-A-M-M. Takeonetech.io slash Ecamm. And of course, you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. You will certainly not regret giving it a go. Now let's get back to the show. Where did your sort of actual love for um, photography and cameras come from, you know, sort of prior to starting the, the, the channel? How long have you, uh, you know, where, where's that sort of stem from? Well, that actually stems from childhood because mm -hmm. I was 
fortunate people to actually be part of like my school's morning announcements. And since the third grade, I was in front of a camera, behind a camera, and doing oh, cool. a variety of different positions, learning that aspect because it was something that was available at my school. Oh, that's really cool. So, mm-hmm. it's a, so it really is a lifelong passion. <laughs> yep. And I kind of fell out of the passion when I finished school because I didn't get into any university. And mm-hmm. the at the job market for that type of work back when I finished school, you know, um, 1999, 2000, right? You had to volunteer all of the work. So you mm-hmm. would have to come and do it for free so that you can get recognized, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you needed the transportation to go back and forth to all of these events, which is what I really didn't have. So with that being said, I didn't have the ability to kind of create my name in that market and quickly fall into, you know, the job force, you know, the work force and you put your passions on the back burner. And then the next thing you know, in a eye, 20 years pass and you haven't really kept up on the things that you were really passionate mm-hmm. about. That, I mean, that actually makes the story all the, uh, all the more sweeter that you actually have come full circle back to a, you know, a, a, a passion from childhood. Cause that, that happens all the time. I know there's th- certain things that I used to love doing that. I've just sort of fallen out with these days that I don't, uh, don't keep up or don't give the time to. So to actually come back to something full circle like that's, uh, that's lovely, <laughs> lovely to hear that. And, and yeah. with the, um, the, the, the sort of services that you're offering to people then now with the, you know, the editing, the hosting and the podcasting services and obviously the, the public speaking as well. Um, how, how is that working out and how are you sort of uh, managing that from a sort of time perspective and fitting that in with your own stuff? And, and what's been the evolution of that as you've sort of started to, you know, take on more clients and do, do more things in that respect? What's the, that process and journey been like for you? It's been very interesting and like it's been a personal journey on top of just like a business journey. For example, mm-hmm. um, what I was doing prior to going all in on the content creation side was that I had already established a prior business where I was doing remote or, you know, like I would drive to the customer and do iPhone repairs for my So I had a very convenient iPhone repair service business Mm -hmm. here in South Florida, and I was known as Mr. Fix-It, rolling around all the the streets here in South Florida. So what I had to do was had to stop being a master to, or yeah, like being a slave to two masters, I think that's the way that they were saying. Sure, yes, yeah. To dedicate my time to what I wanted or I saw as the like the long game and uh, what would be more prosperous for my future. The fact mm-hmm. that I'm doing that I absolutely love and also have the ability to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. But had sacrifice was the prior business that I had created that just like a child, you still have love for. And yes, yeah. I, all of my clientele base that I build here in South Florida but I had to stop fixing phones because I could not do both like consistently. Mm-hmm. So at the halfway point of this year, 
I made a firm decision that I was no longer going to answer any of those phone calls so that I can prioritize on establishing the business that I'm working and building up now within the content creation, you know, editing and podcast production. There's a variety of different revenue sources or avenues compared to the exact work that I had with my iPhone repair business because the biggest difference in my eyes were that if I wasn't the one doing the phone repairs, I wasn't able to make the money. But Mm -hmm. in this sense, now I have the ability to have people create content and I still am able to edit that no matter where I am in the world. So Mm -hmm. if, example if i wanted to take a trip to new york to be part of a an event right i can no longer service the people in south florida in the time that i was in new york mm. yet content creation space because i'm working digitally i am able to do my edits and do the production side no matter where i'm at just as long as i have a you know solid internet connection mm-hmm. i am able to do more with my time Now, speaking about time is the other aspect that I had to really learn how to navigate in this content creation space. But the way that I did it was that I just compartmentalized the same way that I would do if I were to be looking for a job for someone else. You know, we traditionally do a nine to five, which is a 40 hour work week, meaning out of four weeks in a month, you regulate about 160 hours of your life towards work and or employment and making money. So that's the way that I've been able to set my time off and like basically offer them up for different clients for different needs Mm -hmm. through through blocks or blocks of time. And basically, they're able to reserve an amount of time from me monthly. Mm-hmm. And that way, they're able to get what they need from me in that same timely manner because I'm able to schedule people as mm-hmm. far as like either days of the week or time cut out in my schedule to dedicate to their production or their edits. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, and so what are the things you're doing? Obviously, I know the uh, about the editing. I also know about the uh, behind the scenes with the uh, podcast production. So uh, I was on the uh, the Flow Ecoms uh, podcast with uh, our content creators pod, the creators pod. Uh, so we were on there as guests. And then uh, when we dialed in, we were like, oh, <laughs> you're running the show. And it was great because we, we, it was we felt like we we're on TV or something because of the, the professionalism that you brought to it. I mean, you know, this, you'll know that when you dialed in to come onto this show, there's just me saying, hi, <laughs> Let, let's get this mm-hmm. going. But but there was something about turning up to a show where, you know, you're there to, to greet us and get us all set up and all that sort of stuff prior. It really adds a level of uh, professionalism to a show if you're hosting guests. You know, it's something to be considered if you're running a, you know, a guest-based podcast to have somebody like that that is dealing with all the tech for you and that is there to sort of, you know, greet the guests and get them all set up beforehand. It's, it, it made the whole experience quite uh, something different than i'd personally experienced having been on you know quite a few podcasts at this stage now so it it really did make a difference (laughs) well i i would like to think that that has a lot to do with me personally right being the one who greeted you but at the same time (laughs) 
<laughs> but at the same time, I do love the production aspect, right? And mm-hmm. giving that, you know, like um, giving that service to someone like yourself or anyone looking to produce a podcast to make it as as possible, even if they are interviewing guests. So, for mm-hmm. example, I gave. I give the ability to just be able to have the conversation and kind of forget about the tech, even though you still have someone dedicated to make sure that the tech is running properly and that you're getting the highest quality, both video and audio. So Mm -hmm. having that aspect and that control, I'm also listening to everything that's going on in real time. And also at the same time, being able to fix little things. So, for example, like some people tend to like slouch in in their chairs and then other yep. people are, might be too close or, or or even too far away. And instead of stopping the entire production from behind the scenes, I'm able to fix a lot of those little things that yep. might be distracting and just take them out, you know, without anyone even mentioning it. So I do take pride in all of those little details, so to speak, that make mm-hmm. everything flow so smoothly and that's part you know that is the service that I'm providing and another added bonus is that through the software that I'm using eCam um I have the ability to record everything as well so both the video and audio that I'm getting in I'm able to record locally to my computer which speeds up the the editing process in post-production mm-hmm. because instead of having to wait for both the guest and the host to upload files so that then I can download them, I already have them and it just takes another step away from the guest and the host to make mm-hmm. things even that much easier. Yeah. I think that you, that you hit the nail on the head there with about where you're talking about letting the host just get on with actually, you know, the interview and focusing on that because, um, yeah, when, when you have, do have to think about the the tech, like even now I'm just sort of checking that things are still working on different platforms and stuff. And it is a constant thing that is there as a potential distraction. And certainly when you're just getting ready to start and that, so, uh, yeah, it's a really valuable, uh, valuable service that, that you're offering. And yeah, that thing as well about, uh, you know, I've, I've switched to scenes in Ecamm before and then realized, oh, I'm too zoomed in on somebody or need to tweak it. So, uh, that then obviously distracts from the flow of the conversation. So it's a great, uh, a fantastic service that you're offering. <laughs> Um, and what other, else as well? Obviously, there's that and the the editing. Um, how about the sort of consultation side of stuff in terms of cameras? Because obviously, that's uh, you know it's it's in your name. <laughs> so uh, with exactly. people wanting to set up their studio and camera equipment and stuff like that, what uh, what have you been doing in in that sense and and helping people in in that way? Is that something you're you're doing consultations on? Yeah, that's basically you hit it on the head. Like people ask for whether it's consultation on the complete setup, on their lighting, on their cameras, and what gear that they should buy for the type of content that they want to create. So the consultation with me is could be about gear, but it's not going to be primarily about gear because mm. for me to give the best consultation or the best advice from the consultation, I'm going to have to ask the best questions to get the correct information. And mm. one of the things that I always ask is like, what content are you looking to create? And what is like your day to day kind of like everyday carry look like? Because mm. 
to get the best quality that some people want, right? Because they see it maybe on somebody else's stream or somebody else's content. They're like, I want it to look like that. But they might not have the means to have an entire crew or an entire Mm -hmm. person dedicated to work that content machine. So that's where I pride myself on calling myself basically a solo production specialist, right? I can Mm -hmm. help you figure it out for your means and your style because there's a lot of content that can be created, but people are put off because of the, you know, because of the tech and they start thinking like, I don't understand it and things like that. And that's what I guess we kind of don't want because your message still needs to be heard. And if you're looking to do this as far as a business, then your 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 message definitely needs to be put out there so that you can actually, you know, advertise for your business. So at the end of the day, you have to see what is the best case scenario for each. Well, basically that, yeah, like what is going to be the best for each case scenario and what is going to be the best for that person because it depends you know like through the tech you can get really lost and people say that this is the best camera that you should get because Mm -hmm. it has the ability to shoot s log and all these different formats but that's when i would ask the question is that the type of content that you actually create because Mm -hmm. if you're not going to be doing s log editing in your workflow then that's not the camera that i would recommend for you So Mm -hmm. whether it comes to lighting, cameras, equipment, um, and even like, uh, yeah, equipment as far as hardware, computers, you know, monitors, all the things that are part of the production, I am able to help to lead you, you know, in the right direction so that you can buy it right the first time so that you don't have to buy it twice. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's a, a great point that you make about, you know, people see other people talking about certain pieces of uh, gear and thinking that they need <laughs> the latest and greatest. I think there's probably no guest that's been on here that hasn't said something very similar about, you know, you don't need the latest gear and that. But it's so true. I mean, I'm just in the process of updating my studio. So I've got some new lights coming. I've got some new cameras. I've got one sitting on my Z desk, a ZVE10, that's going to go into the the... the the system but at the moment i'm using some like 30 dollar soft boxes with regular light bulbs in them my camera is an 11 year old canon eos 60d and it's it's working and it's not getting in the way of my my message and it, in the creators pod my other uh, podcast with uh, my group of creator friends um uh, when i talked about that you know i was going to be upgrading this stuff uh, dina said like is it actually going to improve your content though and it made me think the fact is it isn't going to improve my content because my content is the information that I'm giving. Uh, what it will do though, is it will, you know, there's certain things that will, that I'm changing that are going to be an improvement. Um, but it's, it's more about being able to educate other people on the, this, this gear. So if I wasn't doing, you know, courses on this sort of stuff and teaching people, then it's so true that you don't need the latest and greatest. And one of the things that I love about uh, about you as well, we, we'll come onto this a little bit later when we look at the behind the scenes, but it is the way that you um, you know are adaptable and you come up with unique solutions. Some of the creative ways that you've you know built things in your studio yourself, just as as I do. But uh, so I'm just saying that to reiterate the fact that yeah, I know you're coming to this from a position of what is the thing, what are the things that you need, and what's the sort of uh, place to move forward from where you are now 
basically. So I understand that that's your sort of ethos as well. Yeah, because even right now, I'm not using the latest and greatest uh, as far as tech. My cameras mm -hmm. are from 2019, a 6100 from Sony, and it's because that's the equipment that I had already. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, to go right in with what you were saying, which is that I was able to utilize the gear that I already had for my photography and then apply that to my live stream. And mm -hmm. it's because of that that I have this camera. If not, I probably would have gone a completely different route. But, mm -hmm. you know, like it would have always fallen into the place of like, do the best with what you have already before you start looking into it. That's kind of part of being a camera junkie, right? Like mm -hmm. other people might think it's junk and I'm going to show you how I can make it look really good. I also have to mention then your whole brand and t-shirt, your upgrade your skills, because that is the first thing that, uh, you know, people should be looking to upgrade because actually you may find that the stuff you've got as well, you can uh, get a hell of a lot more out of it by uh, becoming more proficient at using it as well. Just one of the many Absolutely. applications of that phrase, I know. <laughs> That's actually how it came about, right? But through photography, because mm -hmm. I recognized that when people started recognizing my photography, it was because I did exactly that. I upgraded my my knowledge base. I upgraded my skill in photography that mm -hmm. was able to be represented in the images that I was creating. And I had people overlooking my work and going, did you buy a new lens? Did you mm -hmm. get a new camera? And I knew that I hadn't. So that's part of like the origin of the upgrade your skills because yeah, once you get there, then you can make the best out of anything that you have in your hands. And you really don't need to be worried about the, the, the latest crazes of the new tech because you're very happy with what you're creating with what you have. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And with the, um, the, the editing thing, just to come back to this sort of side of stuff, how do you approach that from the point of view of, you know, when people give you content? Is that, are you doing this more uh, as... Um, uh, you know, editing a specific show, or are you doing the sort of repurposing kind of stuff as well? Uh, how do you uh, how do you approach something when somebody gives you something? What's your sort of uh, creative process in that respect of uh, you know taking a, a load of footage and then making something out of it? Because this is something that I don't really do. I feel like I'm terrible at editing because I haven't taken the time to upgrade my skills in that respect. Hence the you know <laughs> one take thing for my channel. But what's your sort mm -hmm. of creative process there when somebody gives you a, a you know? You've got a load of footage. How do you go about that from a creative point of view? Well, that's that's a really interesting question because there's different ways to attacking it, you know, like uh, the same problem. There's different ways of going about it. And that has a lot to do with the conversation that I have with the client that's providing the content prior to me actually starting to do anything with it. So, for example, there's some clients that want me to just kind of take care of the raw aspect mm -hmm. because they want to put all the bells and whistles because they feel that that's what makes it their style. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's just kind of like bare bones. Then there's people who have like a, a podcast or a live stream that they want you to repurpose. There's two ways of going about that, so to speak, which would be cleaning up the entire live stream so that it just flows as one piece of content and then also after you've completed that, taking various points or like key parts of that conversation and chopping it down to, you know, something for social media, 
maybe make it vertical or for mm -hmm. various different platforms to kind of like have more content being repurposed out of that same live stream or podcast. Then you have people who are looking for complete editing services, which they totally dislike it and have never done it in their lives, but they see what other people, <laughs> they see what that. other people, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they see what other people have have out there and they're like, I see these videos and this is what I want you to create. Those can can be fun, but they're also a little difficult because, you know, that has to do with the style of the person. So mm -hmm. as an editor, I can put in my own twist. But if I were to put in a, a piece of like B-roll or supplemental content, like we call memes, you know, like put in a meme as far as a joke or something like that, that really doesn't fall in place with that client's audience, then that mm -hmm. has a lot to do with the style. Because as an editor, I'll be like, I thought that that fit perfectly, but in the contrary, it probably really doesn't because I don't know their audience that well. So mm -hmm. that's where, you know, like it could be a little difficult, but that's where the creative process could actually be a lot of fun. Uh, I think Doc Rock was just mentioning it on his last live stream that um, putting constraints on your creativity could actually mm -hmm. lead to like a lot more than what you ever intended because you'll be able to look at things from a different light. So the mm -hmm. same way that I said that there's always a different way to attack and edit, that's kind of like the best way that I can put it, which is try to look at things differently to see how you can upgrade your skills, you know, look at it in a different way so that you can have a different way to edit the same type of content, at, which will eventually become your own style. Uh-huh. I think it can also go uh, like the other way as well for somebody who is maybe uh, a little bit concerned, shall we say, to to let somebody else in full control of the edit for exactly the reasons you just said. Maybe, or maybe they're not going to do it the way that I would do it. Um, but then I'm sure there's a lot of people who are really pleasantly surprised when you see like, oh, you can do it that way <laughs> because somebody with your experience is coming with a different perspective. Yes. And actually, you know, they 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 can be over the moon with what you've done because it's something that they would never have, have thought of. Well, well that is I, what that I call, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I would call the ideal client, right? The mm -hmm. ideal client would be the one that hires me to just say, create this and this is what I'm looking for. And then mm -hmm. when I'm able to produce for them that they're just like, wow, that's even better than what I thought, which is my goal for every edit, right? But mm -hmm. a lot of times, like I said, there's parameters that we have to kind of constrain or be, you know, reformed into but the idea would to be like, like you have full control. This is what we're looking for. And, you know, just with a couple of revision processes, so to speak, yes, to yeah. make sure that we're on the same path, that it's literally like that they're just blown away with what you're able to produce. And you're like, that's better than what I thought. Let's run with it. Let's go. And that's just yeah. ideal. And in, and in a sort of long-term editing relationship where it's an ongoing basis, then this stuff obviously, you know, gets refined and, uh, you know, more in, in tune with each other in, in time. In my, one of my previous lives, <laughs> I was uh, an architect, so designing homes for people. And some people would come with like a really fixed idea of this is the exact house I want. But some people would have just seen my other work and just say, you know, design me a house. <laughs> and it was I trust, like a I trust you. Campus. 
And that was just the best feeling. And sometimes, you know, it's a case of I'd do it and then there'd be, or oh, maybe change this or change that a little bit. Um, but sometimes the, the clients were so cool that at the end of having, you know, designed and built the house, I almost wished I could just keep working with them because we had like a good, you know, relationship. And that is, you know, obviously people tend to only design and build one house at a time. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. with the editing, it is kind of like an ongoing uh, relationship. So it must be a sort of fulfilling thing to be able to have, you know, sort of build that that long-term relationship with people. Yeah, exactly. Because that's how it actually ends up with all the long-term clients. Eventually, you understand their like mm -hmm. pet peeves or their constraints and you you build the style around that. And then they also have the confidence in you to know that you've done it enough consistently that they don't even have to kind of like second guess. They yep. know that you've got it locked in so that they just ask you, hey, this is what I need. And it they kind of all eventually become that that I trust you and yes, we're yep. just going to like this is what we need and and just finish it at the end of the day. So, yeah, a lot of them end up working out that way as well. No, that's uh, that's it's nice. Like I said at the beginning, it's just so nice to see something that's a passion, and then that now you can do this and provide it to a service to people. And you know, when somebody's providing a service and they're passionate about the thing, you know that you're going to get a good service because it's <laughs> it's something they're passionate about. So, now, I yeah, it's hard for me to just make it like like mail it in. It's really yeah, hard. Yeah, so I sure. always put my best foot <laughs> forward. Uh -huh. And we were talking beforehand about, uh, you know, studio setups, and I'd always leave, like to leave time towards the end for, you know, to talk about studios. And normally it's kind of like the last 15 minutes, but I want to switch over to this a little bit earlier <laughs> today than usual, because uh, I really do love your setup and I love some of the creative ways you've, uh, you. you've done things. So perhaps you could talk a little bit through, um, you know, what you've got set up at the moment. I can bring up a picture. So for those listening on the audio, uh, this is going to be one you'll definitely want to go and check out on, uh, on video. Um, but perhaps you can just sort of talk through with, uh, with audio in mind as to what, what is the actual gear that you've got first and foremost in, in your setup. Okay. Well, the, the core of everything is my darling computer, which is the Mac studio. I have the max edition, not the ultra because I was actually in in the market to get the MacBook Pro laptop, but I do the majority of my work from the desktop. And once I realized that I can take those funds and get more performance out of the studio unit, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. So mm -hmm. I started with that, even though I had a similar setup with my Mac Mini prior to this. So right. it could be done with both. Now, I have the Mac Studio, and like I mentioned before, I have my Sony A6100, which I purchased back in 2019. So I've had it for, you know, for a while now, and it was, and it still is a great camera. I have that hung off of the wall, actually, on a cheese plate so that it's actually nice and steady because the wall is like directly behind my computer and in that workspace. So I don't right. have space for a tripod. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to hang my camera, which is also has my Sigma 16 millimeter lens on it and mm -hmm. my, oh, I forgot the brand name, but it's kind of like a little teleprompter. Oh, is it Desview? Uh, a Desview. Like a Desview, yes, yeah. yes. It's the same one I've got that is. So, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's So yeah. it's light enough that it could be held up through the lens without a problem. I yeah. didn't want to put the the actual um, monitor that's actually giving me the projected image onto it and have it held by the lens as well. So I actually 
put an articulating arm that hangs from underneath the camera. Oh, I see that now. And yeah, that's yeah. holding mm. my monitor in that right position so that it's not have, it doesn't have all the stress on my lens itself or the camera mount. So that's Small the way idea. that I have. And that's mm -hmm. what's giving me like the direct image. As far as audio goes, I have the Rodecaster Pro 2, which I'm very fortunate to have. Absolutely love this piece of tech because it gives me the ability to connect all of my audio sources and give mm -hmm. me like fine-tuned control. But um, as far as the microphone goes, I am using the SM7B, but that is my latest purchase because that one's actually like kind of like the cherry on top of right. my entire setup because I really don't think that I needed to do anything else. Mm -hmm. um, uh, to the left of my main screen that's on, you know, on the on screen right now, right? That's yes, kind yeah. of hard to see. But my main monitor or my main screen to the left of it, I have a monitor that's just to the left of my Rodecaster Pro. And that's mm -hmm. actually connected directly to my Mac Mini. Oh, so the cool. Mac Mini is running standalone off to the side, which right, for right. my live streams allows me to communicate with my uh, moderators through Discord. So oh, in yeah. case anything were to be happening, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, within the chat or anything that I need to be aware of, like a couple of weeks ago, the voice changer effect went oh, on you know, my road your short. <laughs> I just saw the short about that this morning. That uh, was hilarious. I was on, yeah, and I was like voice changed for like a good 15 minutes because I was on a soliloquy and didn't look off to my side, which I yeah. should have. And my moderators were like, like trying to, you know, wave at me in to let me know that that's what happening. But it's, it's part of live streaming, right? So all that information is held here, but also my music is being uh, distributed from the Mac Mini so that mm. I have it on a separate control and I have my Epidemic Sounds playlist playing in the background while I'm visibly looking at Discord at my moderators. That's mm. what's being held there. And the fact that the Roadcaster Pro has that secondary channel for it, I have yeah. that on its own slider that allows me to you know, boost or lower the, the volume of the music instantaneously without having to press any buttons or deal with any other computers while I'm on a live stream, whether it's completely muted, raise it up or lower it. I can do it all from the slider here physically. Yeah. That's and that a really goes smart in move. And, and, and then just sort of taking off some of the load from you, even though you've got a, a nice <laughs> fast Mac studio, but to, to reduce some of the load on that for live streaming, to have it on the other one is uh, yeah, great, uh, great asset. Not so much the load, but actually the thing for me was that it had to do with the repurposing of my live stream content. So because my live stream, I am constantly playing a music bed through Epidemic Sound. If I wanted to repurpose anything that I said and I would have to edit it with oh, the music, see, right. like part of the like main file, Yes, you would make those cuts within the music because music's beat would be off so mm -hmm. it through the secondary when i record on ecamm i have that as the secondary microphone so mm -hmm. the secondary microphone is being recorded as an isolated file by itself allowing my main microphone to give you the mix as the viewer during my live stream but when i go to check my files on my computer afterwards they're completely separate so that i'm able oh, yeah. to repurpose the content without the music being baked in 
So that was the main reason for me to have it on the secondary channel. And like you said, it also takes load off of the computer so that it can just do everything as far as, you know, like the production, because I do have sometimes up to five cameras connected to it. So Mm -hmm. it just depends on the the live stream environment because I have my main A6100 and then I actually have a secondary shot to to the side here to my right, which is also an A6100 because when I went to go look for my secondary camera, instead of going to buy the latest and greatest, I said this one is actually great and I wanted to keep the continuity both as far as image and lenses. So Mm -hmm. I have two A6100s and they both have Sigma lenses on them so that the colors and the images match always. And it makes it easier for me for post-production, so on and so forth. So, and then the last, like the last camera that is kind of the shot that you're seeing here is actually from my iPhone XR, which I have hanging floating off of like, kind of like an, a microphone arm, like right. one of these boom arms. Because I knew that that microphone arm didn't have enough strength to hold a full-fledged camera, but Mm -hmm. it did have the weight to hold the phone. And I had been using, you know, uh, Epoch Cam from Elgato, Mm -hmm. but I have to give it up to Apple because their continuity camera is just working so well that now that's Mm -hmm. actually how I have it connected to give my behind-the-scenes shot during my live streams. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a, a, a cool setup. And what about the the lights? We'll get onto my favorite light, but how about the other lights that you've got your <laughs> the, uh, the your sort of main key light and, and so on? What, what are those that you're using? I'm actually using these Wi-Fi Amazon bulbs. Now, these oh, cool. are bulbs that I tested out first. So when I was interested in them, I wanted to see how they worked. So I bought a pair, right? Just two and started seeing how the colors were as far as the LED lights themselves. Once Mm -hmm. I saw that they were giving pleasant colors and as far as the color grade, you know, like um, was good because some of them tend to be like very magenta uh, and they give you a very like pink hue and then the whites never really end up being white correctly. So I wanted to make sure that they were adequate enough. And what I came to realize that they were as far as the color They just had one little bit of issue, which is they needed to be on at full blast. If not, Mm -hmm. they would tend to flicker in the camera when you try to dim them. So I recognized that and I said, I can work with that. But because they're also RGB, they're completely color controlled. So Mm -hmm. what I did, and it's not for everyone, right? But because I am kind of a MacGyver of sorts, what I did was (laughs) I replaced every single light bulb in my entire room here with the same RGB bulbs so that they were all color matched as far as temperature goes. And I had complete control to do whatever I wanted with the light scheme. So Mm -hmm. when I want something bright and airy, I just turn everything on at white. And then if I want to make it, you know, Christmas theme, I can switch the colors in my background. Mm -hmm. I have pretty much complete control and 
because they're controlled through an app, I can just speak to that special lady on the phone that we all have. Yep. And uh, once I call her name, I just tell her what setup I want, whether, you know, and I have some that are preset. Like I tell her, hey, set up the live stream lights, which will set up all the color schemes that I have for my live stream. Or even to the fact that I say set up, um, you know, like um, my edit lights, which are, mm -hmm. you know, the, the mood that I want while I'm editing, which kind of takes off all the light from my eyes so I can see the screens better. Right. Yeah. And kind of just keeps me backlit. So I have everything set up and the soft boxes that I have from GoDocs here on my right and left, even though the, the diffusers themselves are from GoDocs the lights inside of them are still these Amazon bulbs so that I oh, have them cool. complete control. So I'm getting the correct diffusion, but yeah. I'm still using the the light source that I purchased from Amazon. Uh -huh. That's a, that's a, a really cool solution. Get the, uh, get the, the, the soft boxes, the boxes from uh, th those, but then just use <laughs> these other bulbs. I hadn't heard of these before, but I had a check of them when you uh, sent them through in the link. So uh, yeah, they look, uh, look cool. And yeah, to be able to just, adjust the whole mood of the room with the touch of a button is, is genius. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I can of, just uh, say I, like, go ahead. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say like, I can just tell my phone lights out and it shuts every light off or I can yep. say full power and it turns everything to max. So I have a lot of presets. So I basically don't hit a light switch at all anymore. All my lights are controlled through my voice. That's cool. So cool. <laughs> it reduces the friction of getting things set up as well when you can just come in and know you just say a couple of words and then it's all sort of ready to go for you. Mm -hmm. And one of, the, uh, one of the things that I've mentioned before and uh, several times before the, the stream as well is the, the light that you've got in front of you. And I want to get onto this thing of, you know, the way that we create solutions for problems that we have in our in our studios because i'm a massive sort of macgyver <laughs> fan in terms of you know doing stuff for ourselves, and we've been talking about this before but perhaps you can tell us a little bit about uh, the light that you created and then also some of the other things that you've done in your your studio with you know to, to solve issues that you've had without going out and buying something <laughs> well yeah that's why like just to go back to like the consultations, right? For a lot of my clients, they don't have or they don't have the the want to make something for themselves. So I help them as best I can to purchase the things that they need. But mm. me, a lot of times I have particular needs and mm. one has to do with my setup being kind of like this confined space. And I needed a light to be my main key light here for my face sitting next to my camera so that I could be illuminated for my live streams. Well, it started from a lamp that I had there with pieces of paper in front of it to kind of just diffuse the light. But then, you know, as I wanted to up my production value and that was just something that I wanted to do myself for myself, right? I took it upon myself to actually create the light that I was looking for. And what I was able to do was take foam core and start building out a series of boxes in the shapes of our traditional soft boxes, but on a much smaller scale. And the fact that my entire desk unit is metal, I was able to take something lightweight like foam core and put a simple socket on the back end and build a soft box around that so that I can once again 
put one of these Amazon bulbs in there that gives me complete control at the correct temperature that I want and have that magnetized to the top part of my desk. So on top of it being the perfect size for my, you know, for my setup so that it allows it to be there and not be in the way, I also have the ability to easily take it down and it off to the side if I wanted to dedicate my entire setup for a more editing based purposes where I would basically take down both the light and the camera so that I can bring my monitors closer to me. Oh, cool. I didn't realize it was magnetized. It just got cooler. <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah, a really cool touch that is. I like I like the way that you've got stuff. I mean, your your desk, you've got uh, you you got all the, the the gear that you need on it, but it's still got this sort of minimal feel. And I think part of that is the reason, you know, the the way that you've got the the monitor and the the lights and the camera all sort of hanging down. It makes the actual desktop feel a lot sort of clearer. You know, you can move stuff around on it. I, I like the whole aesthetic of it. Well, thank you. I try, but I have to be honest with you. Just to the right of it is kind of like where the mess lives, right? Like I, I, I think you termed the 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 uh, coined the term cone of cleanliness, and I <laughs> exactly I the cone of cleanliness. So that oh, I love that for those of you who <laughs> might have not heard this before. Um, from the point of the sensor where your camera's at and anything that it can see in front of it, it basically creates a cone of vision. Anything mm. that is behind it or outside <laughs> of that cone is invisible to the viewer and to everyone's eye. It's what we call the, the, the fourth wall when we do film and, you know, television production. So, you know, you would always walk into somebody's house, you know, on a sitcom and you would see three walls because you are the fourth wall. So anything behind that, including messes, will not be seen by anyone. So the, the cone of cleanliness. Yeah, the first time I heard that, I was just like, you, you immediately know what it means. <laughs> if you, if you, if it's still good stuff, though. You're live streaming. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> and it's like so what everything's is the, on the desk and you just... You yeah, just scoot it off. it off to the side. Yeah, I've got a few things oh. just tucked away on this, this side of my desk at the moment. <laughs> um, and so out of all of the things you've got, I know it's it's hard to sort of pick a favorite, but what would you say would be something that is your sort of favorite bit of gear that you've got at the moment? Uh, I would have to say my RCP2, like right. the way that it's been able to bring everything together is just mind boggling. So to give you a quick run about on top of it, connecting both my Mac studio and my Mac mini, I also have my PC, my windows PC that's connected underneath coming into another channel as well. So for the few times that I want to say go live or maybe go on Twitch, I'm still able to take the signal, which is it's kind of a complex setup, but I actually twitch my windows pc gaming right oh right through my mac computer through mm. ecamm because what i do is that i actually send the video card feed from my gaming pc to one of my inlets like one of my inputs as a camera to ecamm and oh, then yeah, right. the other one go directly to my lcd so that there's zero lag so that mm. all of the frame rates that I'm trying to get maxed out on my monitor, I'm able to gain that way. And then I'm still able to leech off a slightly less, you know, like yep. um, 
process heavy signal to Ecamm. And then with the power of Ecamm, put myself in the shot as the gameplay is going and send that off to Twitch through Ecamm. And just like, you know, offloading the process, you're able to use an older gaming PC to its max capacity because you're not asking it to do the live stream. You're just asking it to run the game, which is what Mm -hmm. it's designed for. So instead of having a dual monitor setup, you send one to your gameplay and the other yeah. one to Ecamm and you're off and running. That's, that's cool. And uh, yeah, I love, the, I love the idea of uh, having a, <laughs> a Mac dedicated to running Ecamm to stream something from a PC. That makes me smile. <laughs> but I, honestly, I, I, I didn't, still need I to make that video. <laughs> I didn't realize you did um, stuff on Twitch, actually. I never knew that. So how's, uh, I, I mean, I, that's probably I, another whole conversation I, we could go into, but how, how's that going? That is, that's actually not going. That's why it would be a whole different conversation because oh, right, right. In, in all sincerity, I don't have the time, right? Like right, right. I try to dedicate time as far as like to game just to kind yeah. of make it easier on myself. But there's two issues with it. Like the reason why I made the Twitch account was so that I kind of didn't have to feel guilty about playing a video game when I think I could be doing something else. <laughs> right, right. Right? Uh-huh. So I feel like I'm still doing something else by yes, doing yes. it on Twitch. But uh-huh. then at the same time, I've had so much trouble trying to find the time to even game for right. myself that to set up anything for Twitch has been even secondary to thought. So I had right. a series that I was starting on Twitch, which was you know, I'll let you know, it's it's still my idea. I might bring it to YouTube instead because I'm on this platform a lot more. But mm-hmm. I digress. It was um, Final Fantasy VII, and I called it the final Final Fantasy VII because they remade that game. And because before I actually play the remake and not be able to go back to the original one that I love so right. much, I wanted to play the original one last time. With a walkthrough and then mm-hmm. let it be the final time that I played the game. So that was my idea to actually oh, give cool, myself cool. some downtime, yeah. but I really didn't execute it too well. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we'll look, we'll look out for that one in the future. <laughs> hey, let's see. Uh-huh. Um, one final thing as well. We're getting close to the top of the hour and I want to be conscious of your uh, your time, but I always ask for a book recommendation and uh, I was really pleased to see uh, the one that you had put down uh, because it's one that's been uh, quite influential with me just of late. Perhaps you can tell us about the one thing and, and what you've got from it and how it's influenced you. Oh, that was a really good book. Um, we basically started reading it because of the same reason or the same recommendation from Doc and that because of time constraints has been the last book that I've been able to actually even, well, I listened to it on audible, right? So Mm -hmm. it was the last book that I was able to put on there. And when I say that I listened to it, it just doesn't mean that I did it one time. I means Mm -hmm. that I listened to it basically at least three times and let it play in the background so that it sinks in kind of like Mm -hmm. a methodical aspect and have a better understanding of the message that's being, you know, portrayed through the book. What I was able to take away from it, like after the third time that I heard it, was that it affirmed a lot of the things that I had already been doing without knowing that I was doing them, right? Mm -hmm. Which was kind of making myself or dedicating myself to one certain thing. So to give you a little bit of a backstory, back in December 2020, 
January 2021, the the application um, clubhouse mm-hmm. was off and popping, right? Yep. And there was a lot of things that was happening in that space. And for the time that I was partaking there and participating, things I was also being recognized on that platform. And a lot of people were telling me like to continue on. But that platform, not that I'm taking anything away from it because I really do like it, it wasn't where my passion lie, right? Mm-hmm. Like my understanding both in for photography and videography and my passion was also based around this passion of YouTube as well and having this platform to do it. So with that, I knew that even at that time, even things were progressing well that that wasn't where it lied. So I had to put kind of like my money where my mouth is and I had Mm -hmm. to stop spending the time on clubhouse and reinvest that into YouTube because we try to spread ourselves thin in so many Mm -hmm. different places. But like the book references, you have to focus on that one thing. Now, the one thing that I decided to focus on, which is YouTube has now spawned a variety of different things all on its own. But that would have never happened if I hadn't already done what kind of the book said, which was focus on that one thing. So now what the book is reteaching me is that out of these projects that are spawning, I still have to focus on just one thing, you know, and complete them so that then I can kind of like check that off and move on towards the next because it's a lot better to have something completed even if it's a learning experience in the first place than to kind of like do 10 projects at only 10% Mm -hmm. because then you're really not accomplishing anything you're you're starting a lot of things but you're not completing anything and the sense of accomplishment is is so good it's i wish i can give that to everyone right the that that feeling that you get when you have a a completed job well done and that's what will lead to future projects and future endeavors well that is a great place to uh, a great message to to leave people with but i also want to leave them obviously with how they can uh, how they can find you so uh, you'll find links to everywhere obviously in the description and the show notes for those are listening and watching uh, but what is the best way for people to uh, to sort of find you and to get in touch with you if they w- want to talk more about uh, editing uh, consultations or anything like that what's the best way for them to uh, to get in touch with you well the best way to find me is on youtube under mr camera junkie but i'm also mr camera junkie on all of the platforms like twitter Instagram and even TikTok. So through TikTok or not TikTok, through Twitter and Instagram, you can send me messages. But I am trying my best now to work in my Discord because that's where I'm going to be centralizing all of my conversations. So even though you reach out to me, I'm going to give you the way to reach me through my Discord. But that, like I said, is where I'll be sending out the information. My Discord is something that I'm working on. But it's such an amazing platform as well to actually centralize all of it. So like the book mm-hmm. says, we have to focus on one thing. So yep. I have to kind of centralize where people can reach me. And right now it is YouTube, but that will also directly t- direct you to my Discord. 
Got you. Smart, smart move. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm focused on uh, the Discord as well. It just became such a, a better place for sort of general conversations. But you mentioned there about, you know, your Mystic Camera Junkie on all of the platforms. Uh, I always ask people for their handles, you know, to put into the uh, the show notes and the description and so on. Uh, and invariably, people have got slight variations. I mean, I've got Take One Tech on most of them, but then someone had it on Twitter and somewhere on Instagram. So it's Take One Tech underscore. It's unusual and very refreshing to see someone with... You just search for Mr. Camera Junkie, you'll find him wherever you look. <laughs> it's, it's great. I, I actually love that. But that's also why I chose that name. Because right, right. of the simple fact that I did a little research, you know, being business oriented, you know, so yes, to yeah. say, that when I went and I decided on that being my name, I made sure that it was available on all the platforms and then literally just gobbled them up. So yeah. another you know, word of advice, if you do have a handle and you're working on a brand like so, um, and you're on all these different platforms, if a new platform comes up, doesn't mean that you need to jump on it, but you do yeah. need to get in there just to kind of reserve your parking spot and make sure yes, that nobody yeah. else gets your name. And once you have that, then you worry about it. If the platform then, you know, succeeds and or it's something that you like to work with then you continue to move on forward from there but the first thing you need to do is just kind of like grab the name so mm -hmm. great uh, another great final bit of uh, advice there well thank you so much for for coming on it's been a pleasure to speak to you i could chat about the macgyver solutions all day long it could literally be another whole show so maybe i'll have to have a rerun and just talk about only that because yeah, it's right up my street that sort of stuff <laughs> anytime it was on. a pleasure cool stuff well uh, as i say if you are watching on the uh, replay or listening to the audio then you can find links to everywhere that you can uh, find mr camera junkie uh, Luis vega on uh, all of the platforms and definitely check him out for some of the uh, awesome services that he uh, the, he offers certainly being on the receiving end of some of these uh, with being on podcasts that he's produced i can certainly uh, recommend everything that he's doing uh, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. And if you are listening to the audio, then definitely go ahead and check out the video of this to just see some of the uh, the behind the scenes in uh, uh, Louise's uh, studio. And I will be back same time next week with another great guest and another great conversation. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time.